RadioInfluence.com. This is Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. A look inside the biggest and most controversial news stories you need to know now. One of the country's most relied upon law enforcement analysts, Vincent Hill. Hey, good evening and welcome to Beyond the Badge. I am your host, Vincent Hill, and today is Tuesday, May the 15th of 2018. We are already at the midpoint of May. That means if you have kids that are in school, they're about to get out either next week or the week after. I know my son gets out on the 24th. I got to tell you, I can't wait. He's going to go spend the summer with my parents and then with his mom. And dad's going to have a little bit of a break. We all know we love our kids. But sometimes as adults, especially as parents, you need a little bit of a break where you can have a breather. And mine is just around the corner. I hope everyone's children had a very awesome school year. I hope their grades were up. I hope they're going on to the next grade. My son will be a senior. That means I am just about done. He told me earlier today that it's official. He's a senior and, you know, he better had said he's a senior. Otherwise, there would have been problems. It would have sounded like that up against his head. Um, but, you know, I can't wait. He's a senior. It's his last year of school. And I will be what they call an empty nester here in just about a year. But I'm really looking forward to the summer. Of, co- of course, most of that I'll be spending up in uh, New York City. I got a lot of projects I'm working on up there. I was fortunate this past uh, week to uh, last Friday, actually, to actually sit down at the head of ABC. Uh, that's the network, ABC network with the head of development. And they're interested in using me in an upcoming uh, crime show. And, you know, that's that's awesome. Uh, you know, I've, I've been doing what I do for quite a while, for several years, and I'm always, always pushing and looking for more. Uh, so I'm curious to see how this goes. You know, I always say I don't hold my breath for anything, but yeah, nonetheless, it was a great opportunity to be there with the head of development. You, that doesn't come easy. Trust me, you can't just walk in off the street and say, hey, I want to sit down and meet with the head of development. They actually found me uh, at CrimeCon. Well, one of the producers there at ABC did. Uh, So that meeting went well. I'm looking forward to what's next. I should know here in a couple of weeks what's going on with that. And, of course, I will keep you updated. Of course, again, this coming Friday, I'm back in New York City. I'm hosting Law & Crime. As you know, I'm a regular guest on there. I've hosted before. I've reported for them uh, before on the Tex MacGyver trial. So I'll be hosting Law and Crime this Friday from 3 to 5. So if you get a chance, check us out. There's no reason you can't watch. You can watch from your iPhone, your Android. We're on Roku. You can watch from your laptop. You can watch from just about anywhere. So if you have Roku, download the channel. I downloaded it the other day. It's on my TV in my bedroom. So I can watch Law and Crime 24-7. But that's this Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern Time. I'll be hosting the Law and Crime Network. I think we're going to be covering the uh, death uh, sentence phase of the Sean Great murder trial. He's uh, convicted of uh, multiple murders, a uh, serial killer out in Ohio. He actually admitted to killing five victims. They were all females. 
uh, but he sent a very disturbing letter to one of the reporters saying they were already dead because uh, they relied on government assistance or something like that. So this guy is really, really weird, but uh, that's what we'll be discussing Friday from 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern time. I got to tell you, between United and Delta, man, they got to love me because I'm literally every Friday flying up to New York. And, you know, it, it gets old, but, you know, I, I said a long time ago, this is what I want to do. I want to be able to be on the air as much as possible. I want to be in New York as much as possible. So, you know, I guess as the saying goes, be careful what you wish for because you just might get it. Um, but I got no complaints, you know, because I wouldn't trade how my life is going right now for anything in the world. I assure you of that. Now, let's get down to business because this is beyond the badge. This is not the Vincent Hill soapbox show. So let's get down to business. And I want to talk about a few things. Uh, first, there, there's a video circulating, and I don't know exactly where it's from, but you know, it's from a cell phone cop who filmed the video of, I believe the kid was 17 years old. And he gets punched in the face by an officer. Um, and then they take him down, place the handcuffs on him. And you could hear someone in the video saying, oh, they didn't have to hit him. He's a minor. And it's, you know, made all the mainstream media. And, you know, it's, of course, the same story we hear all the time. It was racist cops abusing a black man. All the stuff that we always hear, excessive force, yada, yada, yada. Now, someone asked me about it, and they asked, well, how would you feel if it was your son, who's 17 years old, that got punched in the face by police? And my first immediate response was, I don't think I'd have to worry about that because I teach my son this one word that goes a long way, compliance. And I said, and when I watched that video, granted, the kid was 17 years old, and quite frankly, I don't care if he was 17, 71, 18, 10 The fact of the matter is he was resisting arrest. I don't know why the police were there. I really didn't read up on the video. I just watched it because people always send me this stuff because they want to know my take and they assume I'm going to side with the cops. And 99% of the time I do. But when the cop is wrong, of course, I side on the side of wrong because right is right and wrong is wrong. So I watched the video and I said, listen, here's what I see. I see a kid. Well, correction, I see an individual who was resisting the officer's commands, not only verbally, but physically as well. And I know what the law says in every state, 50 states in this country. I know what the law says that an officer can do to effect their arrest. And it goes like this. An officer can use the amount of force necessary to effect their arrest. And the use of force continuum allows officers to use soft, empty hand control. And if you don't know what soft, empty hand control is, that is a punch to the face. It is a punch to the ribs. It is a punch to the back. And all of that happened in that video. But the reason it happened is because the individual at that time, he was a a suspect to police. They likely didn't know he was 17 nor did they care he was 17. At that particular moment, in that split second, that suspect was refusing 
commands and was resisting arrest. So the officer did what the officer had to do, the amount of force necessary to affect the arrest. And then when I said that, man, they got so mad because, well, he's just a kid and kids don't hurt anybody. And I said, oh, let me stop you right there. I said, now you can go to World Star, you can go to Twitter, you can go to Instagram, you can go to all of these social media f- sites where you see little black kids fighting other little black kids. They call each other the N-word. I've seen videos where they've robbed one another. We all seen videos where they beat the heck out of each other and someone's just sitting there recording it and yelling world star and they're 17, 16, 15, 13, 12, 11. You see where I'm going with this? So the fact that the individual in that video was 17 doesn't mean that he would not have posed a threat to those officers because as he's actively resisting, what's stopping him from swinging at one of those officers? And at one point in that video, to me, and I've watched it a few times, that kid's hands was really, really close to the officer's gun that punched him in the face. So let me just pose a question. What if, what if, That officer who punched the kid in the face, which knocked him to the ground, at that split second believed that someone, that individual, was going for his gun. Because guess what? Sometimes suspects attempt to pull the officer's gun out of the holster. It's happened to me. It's happened to so many people I know. It's happened to a ton of police officers that have been killed in the line of duty by their own gun. So in that split second, that officer, especially if he believed that that individual, that minor, that little kid was going for his gun, he was totally justified in doing exactly what he did. And outside of that, even if he didn't believe that, he was totally justified in doing what he did because the law, the law, not the white officer, not the white chief, not the white mayor, Definitely not number 45, President Trump. The law says that an officer can use the amount of force necessary to affect the arrest. And when you have an individual who is resisting arrest with force, meaning they're not putting their hands behind their back, they're trying to get away, they're wrestling you, that is called with force, then yes, you are authorized as an officer to use soft, empty hand control. And that's what that officer did, plain and simple. It had nothing to do with race because obviously the police had a reason to interact with this individual. Again, contrary to popular belief, police just don't roll up on black people for no apparent reason and start beating the hell out of them. It doesn't happen that way. This is not 1938. This is 2018. And let me pose a bigger question. Don't you think that there's not a police officer in this country who doesn't already know that the second he or she steps out of their patrol car, that there is some cell phone cop recording their every move? Think about it. 
there's not a police officer in this country that doesn't realize that as soon as they step out, heck, maybe in some cases, as soon as they step out of their house to go to work, that there's some cell phone cop recording their every move. So if they know this, do you really think that they would do something illegal? Now, are there cases where officers have done things that are questionable on film? Yes. Look no further than Walter Scott. Look no further than down in Miami, I believe, where the officer, after the suspect was down with his hands behind his back and his partner was handcuffing him, comes and runs up and kicks the guy in the head. Do I support that? Absolutely not. Because once those cuffs are on, once those hands are behind your back, your use of force is out the window. You can't argue that you were trying to affect your arrest when essentially the arrest was made. So I don't support that. But I will say that 99.9% of the officers in this country know that their every move is being tracked. And their actions aren't based on these cell phone cops. Their actions are based on their training, based on the use of force continuum, and based on what the law of this country says they can do, whether the individual is white, black, Chinese, Puerto Rican, you name it, whatever they are, alien, I don't care. That's how those officers are doing their jobs in this country. My name is Kevin Van Ackeren, and I host a podcast called The State of Logic. We talk about all sorts of things, and I think it's important that we use facts, logic, and reason. Instead of letting the mass media go down the road of bashing cops and saying how horrible they are, let's use the facts. And if cops are wrong, let's talk about that. If cops are right, let's talk about that as well. It's important that we make sure we're giving a fair and balanced analysis, not just whatever is going to virtue signal and make other people happy. That's a State of Logic podcast, folks. Come check us out. I think this is a good segue for my next topic that's really, really starting to tick me off. And it started a couple of weeks ago. I'm sure there's more cases out there that we just don't know about. But it's these people. Let me just call it like it is these black people. And this is coming from a black man who are going out and posting these videos on Facebook Live and all their social media saying how they encountered racism on a traffic stop. Uh, and it started, maybe it's a South Carolina thing, because I think these two cases that I just read up on were both in South Carolina. So it started by a South Carolina woman uh, named Dawn Hilton Williams. Yes, I'm putting her name out there, because as far as I'm concerned, she's following a, a false report. But she posted this almost 12-minute video on this traffic stop in Virginia. I guess she was passing through Virginia she got pulled over. So she goes on and she starts the video with, I want to do a check-in to all my African-Americans and my people of color. And all you guys will know what I'm talking about. And for all my friends that know me that are not African-American, you'll get a chance to see what we go through. So she goes on in this rant about how she was stopped and she was threatened by this white officer, this racist white officer, uh, who basically said he was going to pull her out of the car, take her to jail, yada, yada, yada. And then she started throwing up names like, oh, I felt like Sandra Bland. 
I really felt like Sandra Bland. First of all, that sickened me to my stomach simply because if you remember Sandra Bland, yes, the officer pulled her out of the car. Do I agree with why he pulled her out of the car? No, I've always said that. She was smoking a cigarette. She didn't want to put it out. Heck, if I pulled everyone out of the car for that, then I would pull out everybody I ever stopped, essentially. And it's not against the law to smoke a cigarette in your own car. So was that cop being kind of an asshole? Yes, he was. But the thing is, Sandra Bland was arrested, transported to jail. She was found dead in her cell by self-inflicted hanging. So that officer that stopped her had nothing to do with her death two days later. So let's get that clear, first of all, uh, Mrs. Uh, What the heck is your name? Mrs. Uh, Hilton Williams. That officer had nothing to do with Sandra Bland's death. Anyway, back to you. So you go on this rant. You talk about how you were threatened, how this officer pulled you out, how you want white people to feel your pain. You sound like Obama when he said the world should feel the pain of Alton Sterling's family while he was at the funeral of five dead Dallas police officers. But anyway, you, you, you want the world to feel your pain and you post this on Facebook. Aha, a cell phone cop. But here's the thing. You remember a few years ago, especially after Michael Brown and Freddie Gray and everyone's like, eh, you guys have body cam because it'll tell the truth. It'll tell the truth. It'll show how you guys treat us. You guys need body cams. Well, most departments, guess what? They have body cams. And as I said years ago, the body cam not only protects the citizen, but it protects the officer Because we all know people will lie on police. Oh, my God. What? People will lie on police? No. Nobody would ever do that. Well, this this department in Virginia, guess what? The Brunswick County Sheriff's Office, they have body cams. So when they released the body cam, here's what really went down. And if you haven't seen it, just just look it up. You can Google her. She's. I'm sure all over the place by now because she's embarrassed, but she's still sticking to her story, by the way. So the officer stopped her for doing 70 in a 55. Huh? 70 in a 55. Now, let me add this up for you. In all my experience in patrol, if I'm sitting at a stationary position and I'm running radar, I'm focused on the vehicle the body of the vehicle, what make and model it is, what color it is. Is it two-door? Is it four-door? These are the things I may have to put out over the radio. And I assure you, if I'm sitting still and there's a car traveling past me at 70 miles an hour, my eyes, more than likely, don't work fast enough at 70 miles an hour to say, Ooh, 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 that's a black person. Let me go pull them over. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Now keep in mind, I'm running radar. I'm checking out the vehicle description because I need to make sure that the vehicle I'm pointing the radar at is the one I'm going to stop. I'm doing all of this stuff. So trust me, at 70 miles an hour while I'm stationary, 
My eyes don't say, ooh, ooh, there goes one. I'm going to get that one. It's a black person. So she was breaking the law by speeding almost 20 miles an hour over the speed limit, which in most states is reckless driving. The officer explains why he stopped her. He goes back. He writes her, guess what? A speeding ticket. So her response is, oh, you're not going to give me a warning? We're not doing warnings? No, ma'am. We're not doing warnings. Here, please sign. Well, I'm not going to sign that because you should have gave me a warning. I'm not going to sign that. I don't I don't like this. Well, ma'am, you have one option. You can sign or by the law. Remember that word I said earlier, the law? By the law, I'm going to have to have you exit your vehicle and I will have to place you in jail simply because he knew she didn't live there. <laughs> she lives in South Carolina. He's in Virginia. I'm going to have to take you out, place you under arrest, and then you can pay the fine there. Or you can sign this. You can pay it online and be about your way. So she signs it. Okay, ma'am. Thank you. Have a nice day. Slow down. So I assume, I assume, I'm just going out on a limb. She felt threatened when he said he was not going to write a warning. She felt threatened. And when he said, well, if you don't sign, I'm going to have to ask you to step out of your vehicle and take you into custody. Now, at no point, mind you, during this video, did he grab for her? Did he attempt to open the car door? Did he reach for his pistol, his taser, his pepper spray, his aspiton? Nor did he say the N word, the B word. He didn't say, well, ma'am, if you don't step your black self out of the car, I will take you to jail or I stopped you because you're black and you were speeding. No, he simply said, I stopped you because you were doing 70 miles an hour in a 55 mile an hour zone. Quite frankly, he should have stopped her 70 in a 55. Do we all do it? Yeah, absolutely. Should we all be expected to get pulled over? If someone's running radar, and we're doing 70 in a 55. Absolutely. But simply because you're black and this officer was white, you wanted to make yourself a victim, a fake victim. F-I-C-T-I-M, a victim. You made yourself a fake victim. Now you're getting blasted all over social media. The same social media that you posted this video on is the same social media that is coming back to bite you in the butt because remember it was the masses of the black community that wanted body cams every officer should have a body cam it will tell of our injustices it will tell of our injustices well it's also telling of your lies why do you have to lie about it you were in the wrong for doing 70 in the 55 but instead of just saying yeah i effed up I shouldn't have been doing 70 in the 55. I'm going to sign this ticket, officer. A, you wanted to give an attitude. Oh, we're not giving warnings? No. There is, let, let me make one thing perfectly clear. There is nothing that says an officer has to give a warning. A warning, quite frankly, is the officer, A, didn't feel like writing the ticket, or B, was just being really, really, really generous. But there is nothing that says, oh, an officer has to give out 10 warnings a day, and he has to write 20 tickets a day. There's no such thing. 
So for you to even have that attitude when you were in the wrong makes it all the worse because you were in the wrong. Again, he didn't stop you because he you, he was just sitting there and you drove by with South Carolina plates and he's like, ooh, 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 there's a black person and I'm a white person, so I'm going to pull them over because I want to make CNN. No, 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 no. You were speeding. You got stopped, and then you acted a fool, and then you went on social media to say you were a victim, and you felt threatened, and you thought you were going to be the next Sandra Bland. That, my friend, is sick. And I don't know if you realize this, Miss Hilton Williams. Isn't that racism in itself? Because you're blaming this white guy. You're accusing this white guy of threatening you and all of this other stuff and being racial, isn't that racism in itself? Isn't that a stereotype in itself? And you know how much we in the black community hate stereotypes, but didn't you just do that yourself? Hmm. Oh, oh, but but it gets better. Uh, this one happened in Timminsville, South Carolina, which is a small town. There's a NAACP president and pastor, that's right, pastor, man of God, man of the cloth, you know, lived by the straight and narrow, Reverend Gerald Moultrie, who went to his Facebook and talked about this racist cop who profiled him for no reason. And there's a transcript from his Facebook uh, that he posted. I'm going to read just a little bit of it, of it. Me. Hello, sir. How can I help you? Officer, I'm stopping you because you failed to put on a turn signal. And do you have any drugs in the car? Wow. I'm just going to say, I usually don't go from, I stop you from speeding to, do you have drugs in the car without at least asking some prelim questions like, you got your driver's license, proof of insurance, name, yada, yada, yada. You don't just jump right into that. Anyway, me, sir, how would you know if I use my turn signal when you was approaching me as I turn, and is there any drugs in your car? Wow, he's a president of NAACP. Anyway, um, officer, license and registration. Me, sir, can I take off my seatbelt and get it? Sure. Me, as I open the glove box. Sir, this is a new car. I just purchased it, and all I have is a bill of sale, insurance, registration card. I'm transferring the tax. Okay, where do you work? Whose car is this and why is you in this neighborhood? Sir, I'm a pastor and I live in the house on the left. And I guess officer and I guess I'm the Bill Gates. Okay, anyway, so that's his account of what happened. You know, he was profiled. He was racially stopped or he was racially profiled after he was stopped for not using his turn signal. And he goes on to say his grandkids and his wife were in the car and he felt threatened because he thought the officer was going to pull a gun. Yada, 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 yada. But remember, we need body cams to capture these injustices going on in the black community. Well, guess what? The chief has released the full body cam footage and the stop goes 
nothing like this reverend, this man of God, claims it went. Did the officer say, I stopped you because you failed to use your left turn signal? Why, yes, he did. Which is a moving violation, which gives you the right to stop someone. He hands the, uh, he says, well, I'm just going to loosen my seatbelt. Sure. There's no mention of, oh, I stopped you because you failed to use your left turn signal and do you have drugs in the car? The word drugs never came up during the initial contact. So he gives him the paperwork. He says, I just purchased this vehicle. It's a Mercedes. Oh, yeah, that's another thing. He said, I guess I can't be a black minister driving a Mercedes without getting stopped in a nice neighborhood. So he says, well, I just purchased this vehicle. The tags uh, used to go to my, my truck, which I'm transferring, which, by the way, is still against the law. You cannot post the tags on your vehicle, for those that don't know, until the registration says that that tag goes to that vehicle. So the officer was right. He goes back, gets his license, goes back, runs it. Boom, 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 boom. Everything's clear. All right, sir. Here's your uh, bill of sale back. He said, I just want to let you know that you probably shouldn't drive the vehicle until the tags register to you because by law, the tag has to register to the vehicle it's on. Well, when I went to the DMV, they told me they were transferring the tags and that I could do this. He said, well, they told you wrong, which was true. Again, the tag has to register to the vehicle. He said, here's your bill of sale. Here's your license. He said, have a nice night. Drive safely and make sure you wear your seatbelt as you're driving. Now, at no point during the initial contact when he got the license registration, yada, 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 did the word drugs come up. And no time during the second part of this did the drug word drugs come up anywhere in that conversation. Now, again, Officers usually just don't go right to, hey, I stopped you because you're speeding. You got any dope in the car? That's usually down the line. You build up to it. You ask questions. And if you feel there's deception in those questions, that's when you start asking those really good questions like, hey, is there anything in the car I should know about? Do you mind if I take a look? Or... If the officer sees something in plain view or has probable cause, like you can smell marijuana in the vehicle, then you might go directly to that. But I don't know any officer that I've ever been around in my years of patrol that I've assisted on traffic stops that said, hey, I stopped you because of this. Where's the dope? Where is the dope? You're a black man in a suit driving Mercedes in a nice neighborhood. I know you got dope. So the NAACP is standing by. They're standing by, even though, oh, they say they refuse to watch this tape because the chief of police there in Timmonsville, South Carolina, has offered to let them watch the tape. I'm sure people have told them, man, we watch the tape. This brother's lying. But the NAACP... They're standing behind this Reverend Moultrie because they say he's a man of faith and integrity and he wouldn't lie. A man of faith and integrity and he wouldn't lie. This is what 
the NAACP officers Kenneth McAllister and Henry James Dixon said about their beloved Reverend Moultrie. He's a man of faith, integrity, and he wouldn't lie. Well, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, yeah, not only did he lie, he told a pretty big one. And he told one that could really affect race relations there in that little bitty town of Timmonsville, South Carolina. But it goes back to what I said. I guarantee, even though this this reverend, this great reverend, and we should really revoke that title uh, because, you know, when I think of reverend, I think of someone who ministers to me about how to get to heaven. And, you know, there's this whole thing. There's these commandments. There's 10 of them, you know, and it talks about things you shouldn't do. And I think he just broke one. Um, I'm just saying. But anyway, um, when I think of reverend, I think of a guy that wouldn't lie, ministers to me about getting to heaven, tells me how to live a good and straight life. But yet he lied and he tried to make these officers or this officer that was involved in this traffic stop the next guy on CNN. And I assure you, had there not been this body cam that everybody wanted, I assure you, he probably would have been the next officer on CNN because he would have got the people in the car to say, yeah, he pulled the gun on me. He would have got the people in the car to say, yeah, he tried to yank me out of the vehicle. He tried to do this all because I was a black man. I have no tolerance, zero tolerance for race baiters and liars. And these two people I just talked about, the great Reverend Moultrie and the other lady who got stopped in Virginia are race baiters and liars. And she was baiting everyone in. I want all of my African-Americans and people of color that understand what I've been through and all of my friends that are not African-American to understand what we deal with every day. That is race baiting. That is race baiting and it's racism. And all of these people that are talking about we're tired of this racism going on in this country and the white man doing this and the injustice to the black man, you're doing yourself an injustice by making yourself look like an ass when these videos come out that contradict everything you say. And not only are you making yourself look like an ass, you're making every black person pulled over by police look like an ass because there's going to be more. And what do you think all of these officers that are involved in these traffic stops are thinking? Man, what are they going to say about me once I let them go about their merry way? Are they going to come out and say, yeah, I was this racist cop and I did this and I had no reason to stop them and they felt threatened, yada, 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 yada. But thankfully, I got my little bitty, little bitty body cam that not only records video, but it records audio. There's nothing more I can't stand than a race baiter and a liar. And this is not a trend we want to go down because if we're so caught up in race relations and fixing race relations, lying on the other race doesn't fix it. 
Trying to get some likes on your Facebook doesn't fix it. Trying to get your 15 minutes of fame doesn't fix it. I've said it before. I'll say it again. If you're wrong, man up, woman up, and say you're wrong. If you're driving 70 miles an hour in a 55-mile-an-hour zone, shut up, sign the ticket, and keep it moving. If you didn't use your turn signal and you have plates that are not registered to the vehicle, shut up, sign the ticket, and keep it moving. But don't lie. Don't disrespect the entire community by making up these lies. And don't make things worse. And that's exactly what you do when you do this. So to the great holier-than-thou Reverend Moultrie in South Carolina, you, sir, have some repenting to do because of your lies. All right, we are out of time for the evening. And as I always do, I close with my 10-7 segment. Uh, Today I want to honor someone very special, uh, a dear friend of mine, Terry Burnett, who I was on Nashville Police with. Um, And I didn't even realize this until he posted something on Facebook uh, the other day, a picture of one of his former canine partners, Aaron, who was uh, killed back in 1998. Uh, Terry is a retired officer with Nashville Police Department, but he's been canine ever since I've known him, ever since I joined the department. And I want to read what happened to his canine partner, Aaron, back on Thursday, May 14th, 1998. Canine Aaron was shot and killed as he and his handler attempted to apprehend a man who had just robbed a bank. Responding officers arrived while the subject was still in the bank. As the man fled, he was confronted by officers and subsequently ran into a nearby wooded area. Aaron and his handler tracked the man into the woods, but were fired by the were fired at by the man who was armed with two handguns. Aaron's handler was shot in the foot and wounded as Aaron positioned himself between the subject and his handler. The subject continued shooting, striking Aaron. Despite being critically wounded and unable to use his front legs, Aaron was able to push himself back to his handler. He was transported to an emergency animal hospital where he succumbed to his wounds. And that's to my dear friend, Terry Burnett. Thank you for your service, my friend. I know you will forever miss your partner, your friend, Aaron. We miss him. We love him. We thank you for what you did for the city of Nashville for so many, many years. I want to thank you for listening, my loyal listeners. And I will see you next week right here on RadioInfluence.com. Good night. To continue the conversation, get updates on the show, and to find out when you can see him on television, follow Vincent on Twitter at Vincent Hill TV. That's at Vincent Hill TV. This has been Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. This is a dark to light with Frank and Beans quick fix on Radio Influence. I'm of the firm belief that 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 Jim Comey's book tour was a visibility tour for him. Mm-hmm. Because think about it like this. You know, there's a lot of people that go back and forth about him. Good guy, bad guy, whatever. He basically went up and talked to, to about Hillary Clinton 
in that press conference, named a list of her crimes, bullet pointed for everybody, then said if it was anybody else, they'd be arrested and walked away. He did the same thing to Loretta Lynch, unprovoked during, you know, under oath about the matter. Um, he He's basically thrown, I think he's just a weak guy, but I think he's thrown a lot of stuff out there. And yeah, he's seven foot tall. It's not like if he were to have to go into witness protection, somebody was going to be able to hide the man. All of these people know how tangled this web that they're involved in is. They understand that uh, this very thin veil of blackmail that keeps everybody in place is, is, is rotting away. All these people have left is visibility and trying to make sure that they have enough capital built up in the court of public opinion because that is the only trial that they can possibly win. Dark to Light with Frank and Beans can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com.